Hello, welcome to 1000 Words, Stories on the Way. My name is Matthew Clark, and I'm so glad you're here for episode two of season number five. If you are new here, um, welcome. This is a podcast where I share short essays about things that help me keep faith in Jesus. Um, Life is a long pilgrimage towards an ultimate joy, and the promise is that God himself will get us home to the one who loves us most. And one of the ways he gets us there is through the stories that we tell along the way. So how are you experiencing even the tiniest reminders of God's reliability and love as you go along? Well, those are the kinds of things that I want to share in this place on this podcast. That said, I always include the text of each week's essay over on my website, along with any pertinent links if you want to read it, you know, with your eyeballs and not just with your ears. So my website is matthewclark.net slash 1000 words. And 1000 words is all spelled out one word. Uh, You can also go follow me on Instagram. My handle is at matthewclarknet. And please subscribe, leave a review, and share this podcast wherever you're listening to it. One more bit of business. I'm a singer-songwriter and a storyteller, and I'm currently in the middle of a big project called The Well Trilogy, and it's three full-length albums and three books of essays written by some of my favorite writers as they respond to the songs on those albums. So each album has a book. The first album and book of this trilogy released last May And that's called Only the Lover Sings, Meditations on the Woman at the Well in Story and Song. And right now, I'm getting the second book and album ready for release on June 2nd. This second installment of the Well Trilogy is called A Tale of Two Trees, Meditations on Faith-Keeping in Story and Song. And I cannot wait to get this book and these songs out into the world, and I'm praying that they'll bear good fruit. So, so you can go to my website and you can sign up for my mailing list at matthewclark.net and you can follow me on Instagram and that way you can keep up with all the news about A Tale of Two Trees. Okay, having said that, this week I was out on a walk and I was seeing all the new growth of a Mississippi springtime emerge, uh, but I felt this weird reluctance in my heart to acknowledge all that goodness. And so I started asking myself, like, why do I feel that way? Why did all that beauty and goodness, I don't know, feel weirdly threatening to me? Why might hope and gratitude feel a little scary sometimes? So here is this week's episode of 1000 Words, entitled, The Threat of Gratitude. There's something frightening about gratitude. Does that seem like a strange statement? How could gratitude be a threat? How could it be frightening? That's the question that got lodged in my head today as I was out for a walk. Passing all the startling new green that is leafing out from every direction here in Mississippi as spring is kicking off, 
posed a challenge to the tired gray thoughts that cloud my mind from time to time. Every tip of every branch is celebrating the return of newly grown joy, an irrepressible springing joy that arrives just when you'd gotten used to things being skeletal and bone cold. Oftentimes, right at the point when the chill has worked its way down and settled with a seeming permanence in our marrow, some newborn wind breathes into the nostrils of this slumbering world and wakes it again to the truth of an indomitable life, to hope, goodness, and beauty. This pattern is built into our world. It's so common that it's easy to write it off as a mere material happenstance, rather than a tale woven into things that endlessly bears witness to something ultimately true. A deeper magic, as Lewis says, that ever abides, untouchable, incorruptible, beyond the reach of decay. There is so much to be grateful for, but I do think that gratitude poses a threat to us if we've gotten too comfortable with despair's sad ability to soothe us. In my own experience, I found myself getting so used to believing that goodness was out of reach that in despair, I wound up settling into sad substitutes for things like friendship, affection, joy, creativity. God has built into us strong and beautiful desires, desires for a life of deep, abiding friendship, attachment, generative creativity, and joy. What happens when, for a thousand reasons, those things are torn from us and held out beyond our reach? Maybe someone wounded us deeply. A trespass that traumatized some good thing in us so that we can no longer see or feel it as good at all, much less hope that the good God created it for could ever be restored. That's positive wounding, meaning something terrible did happen to us. Then there's negative wounding, meaning something good didn't happen or was withheld. Maybe no one hugged us growing up. No one listened when you had a real need or encouragement was withheld. Often sins of omission do as much damage as sins of commission. In other words, to be starved is just as deadly as being poisoned. Whatever the case, a lack of love can wear us down until we give up. Love and goodness are someone else's fairy tale, someone else's fantasy. Maybe we're not aware of the degree to which we've joined our hearts to hopelessness and adopted cynicism as the most reasonable position. Because if we're honest, if we're in a position of such woundedness, then according to the evidence offered by our experience, cynicism is the most reasonable thing in the world. And here's the kicker. Once we get to that point, and I'm speaking from my own heart, cynicism and despair actually do become 
soothing. They feel good. If you've lost hope in ever accessing real goodness, then hope is no balm. It's salt in the wound. Gratitude has to do with hope, which has to do with holding on to a faith that says we're not cut off from the goodness God dreams of for us. That's why gratitude feels threatening, because it holds up to our sad eyes a picture of the good thing that we no longer believe we can have. Cynicism says, ah, I know better than to believe that fantasy. And that's why cynicism is so soothing, so comforting, and why it's so frighteningly easy to get very comfortable with. It protects us from gratitude, from hope. Things like gratitude, hope, faith, desire, these invite us to keep trying. They seem to taunt us with the possibility of good things, good things we've long since given up on. The good news of Jesus' love could feel like a cruel joke to us, if we've gone so far as to make peace with despair. The numbness is the only relief we believe we can have any realistic hope of attaining. And the call of Jesus to rise and follow him just makes us feel more exhausted than ever. We pull the sheets back over our heads. Hopelessness is safer, more comfortable, soothingly familiar. It's not good. Of course we know that. But yeah, it kind of works, you know. Once you stop believing in stakes, you'll settle for spam. It's the best you can hope for, right? It's been a long, slow journey for me. As the Lord has patiently coaxed a wounded dove out of the crevices and crags. It's still going on, of course. Learning to hope again is not pleasant at first. Faith in the beginning is nowhere near as soothing as cynicism, despair, and faithlessness. Trust and gratitude feel like they'll kill us. The desires God himself planted in our hearts become so entangled with shame and starvation that we wish they'd just go away entirely. But those desires are what make us human, and it seems that to remove them would do more damage and be a greater sin than to leave them unfulfilled or even wrongly filled. Jesus says that because of the increase of wickedness in the world, the love of many will grow cold. It's an ongoing prayer of mine that those places in my heart that have grown so cold would not shove away in despair the warmth Jesus is offering, that they would not freeze up. I pray that I would stop settling for the voice of a sad sarcasm that would offer to soothe a heart so easily resigned to loneliness and hurt. Pray that the temptation to a sleepy, passive, pseudo-rest would not pull the blanket over my eyes and keep me from seeing that face that smiles tenderly upon every one of us, inviting us to rise, pick up our mat and walk, knowing that the devastating power of our sins and sorrows has been fully embraced by Jesus that we are carried in his arms, 
and where we had believed ourselves hopelessly cursed, God himself persists in speaking blessing upon blessing and grace upon grace. I know this is a little heavier episode um, if you're in a place where you struggle with hope, and that's okay. I recently experienced a prayer exercise that had to do with learning to be kind to ourselves and to receive God's kindness. So here's how it worked. Everyone in the group had to say a mean phrase, and they had to have it said to them. And we discussed how it was much harder to say the mean phrase to someone else than to have it said to us. Why? Maybe because we've gotten used to being unkind to ourselves. We say mean things to our own hearts that we would never say to someone else. So, if we're looking at these hopeless places in us, it'll be easy to beat ourselves up about it. But the Lord is offering kindness. So, a friend told me that it helps her to third-personate these kinds of conversations. In other, in other words, um, to stand back and imagine herself as if she were not herself, but a friend that she wants to help. And how might that change things? So, to close this out, I'd like to share a little prayer um, for us. Lord, whether it's by something terrible done to us, or by some good thing that was withheld from us, or even by our own failures, we've been hurt. Our hurts have gotten so loud and persistent that they crowd out your kindness. In fact, it feels scary to even give good things a chance because they just remind us of what we've come to believe we can't have. But you've made it very clear that you desire to be with us no matter where we are. You, Jesus, have pressed into every hurting place bringing with you kindness and hope. You do not dismiss our hurt. You embrace it, even as you call us to bravely turn toward new goodness that you desire for us. Beautiful Lord, please keep up your gracious, persistent work in us. Please continue to coax out from among the craggy crevices your frightened, wounded doves mending the wings that we've learned to keep safely tucked away and flightless. Amen. Okay, thanks for being here this week. Uh, Please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And if there's a friend you think might enjoy this podcast, please share it with them. Uh, Join me on Instagram, where I'll be sharing more about the new album and book, A Tale of Two Trees, soon. And also, I want to mention that I owe a lot to Adam Young's podcast, The Place We Find Ourselves, Um, especially episode 18 called Why Your Story Makes It Hard to Hope, and episode 123, Is Hope Reasonable? Those have been a big help thinking about these things. So, Okay, thanks again so much. I will see you next time on 1000 Words. (laughs) 